As we do uh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you, Lord. Lord, how can we not love somebody that has given their life to us, Lord? Someone that has paid our penalty, Lord. Lord, even when we didn't want you, Lord, you died for our sins, Lord. That's just amazing, Lord. Lord, I do pray now that uh, as we get into your word that, uh, that we would hear something, Lord, something new from you, Lord. That we would be open, Lord, to hearing just what you have to share to us, Lord. That we would walk away from this place just meditating and chewing on the things that we have heard, Lord. Not just so that they would stay in our minds, but that they would fall into our hearts, Lord, and that we would walk in them, Lord. Lord, your word is a great treasure, Lord. It is greater than silver and gold, Lord. And Lord, we're here to receive from you. We're here to hear from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Spirit, take away all distractions. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts to the things that you want to share with us. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that we have your word to know all we need to know about you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While we are in Leviticus 8, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the priest. We're going to be talking about the, uh, just uh, the priest of the Old Testament. And we're going to be talking about consecration. And when we hear that word, it sounds like a long word, doesn't it? And it's like, well, what does consecration mean? What is it saying? I mean, what, what is it that, that this long word means to us? And what this word means, it means devoted. It means surrendered. It means dedicated. It means set apart for God. And not only are we set apart for God, but we're set apart for a specific purpose. We're set apart for a specific use. And today we're going to see how the Lord, how He instructed Moses to consecrate the priest. And we're going to see, we're going to go over four steps that were used in consecrating the priest of the Old Testament. But I do want to share this with you. That each and every one of us have been called by God for a special purpose. Each one of us has been created by God for his special use. And so Moses, he receives these instructions by the Lord. But one thing that we know is that Moses, as we read in Exodus 29, 30, he had given, he had received these previous instructions. But now he was going to implement them. He was going to do them. And as we look at all of this, I do want to remind you one thing. That the nation of Israel, they were all called to be a royal priesthood. You know, we're talking about the Jews here. They were called to be a royal priesthood. But because Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet. So what he did is, he established a mediator between 
between man and God. And that mediator during this time was going to be the priest that he chose. And that's the priest that we're going to be talking about. These are the priests that we're going to be going over. And why is it that he wanted priests of the Old Testament? Not today, because today he is a high priest, right? We don't go to any mediators today, right? The only mediator we need is who? Is Jesus. But at this time, he wanted them to have a spiritual leader. And the leader was to have compassion for the people, right? Because we're all sinners, right? We're no different, you know, as far as in anyone else. The priests, all are sinners. You know, leaders, we're all sinners, right? But one thing that the priests have, that shepherds have, is compassion, right? For the sheep. And so he also wanted the spiritual leaders to teach his people the ways of God. He wanted to teach them his word. And of course, he wanted to restore fellowship between his people and God because we know that sin separates. And so that's why God chose Aaron and God chose his sons. And these were from the tribe of Levi. And Moses was also from this tribe. But we know that he wasn't called to be a high priest. He wasn't called to be a priest. And so we have Aaron and his sons. But I do want to read to you. I just want to share this with you. Because I want us to have this in our minds. In 1 Peter 2 verse 5 he says. Or 1 Peter 2 4 it says. Coming to him as a living stone. Rejected indeed by men. But chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. He's talking to us as believers. As Christians. He's saying you also as living stones. Are being built up. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God, acceptable to God through Jesus. And in verse 9, he repeats this. He says, and he's talking to us. He's saying, but you are a chosen generation. He's saying you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when we see here, you and I, we've been called to be a holy priesthood. We've been called to be what? Set apart for the Lord, haven't we? See, the way the priests were consecrated to the Lord and the steps that we're going to be going over, each one of those applies to you and to me. And I want to remind you that the Levitical priests the Levitical priests, they always pointed to a future mediator. And the future mediator that they pointed to was also what? A high priest. And as we think about this, you know, as, as I read, and I want to show this to you through the scriptures in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus See, the Levitical priest, it all pointed to Jesus. See, because he became our high priest. And so, that is something that I want us to continue to have as we go through the scriptures in the forefront of our minds. See, we're going to look at how God set apart his priest 
the priest here that would serve in the tabernacle and in the temple. And with that, I want us to begin to read in Leviticus chapter 8. In verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bowl as a sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So we see here, right, Moses, he's been commanded by God to consecrate, to bring the priest, to bring Aaron and his sons. And he also told them, you know what, I want you to bring all these priestly garments, those that they had sewn together, that they had made. I want you to bring all of them. I want you to bring the anointing oil. I want you to bring the bull as a sin offering. I want you to bring two rams that are going to be burnt offerings. I want you to bring a basket of unleavened bread and cakes. And I want you to gather the whole congregation. I want them to come. And for seven days, there's going to be a ceremony of consecration. And the number seven is what? Is a number of what? Completion, perfection, right? It's completed. The work of consecration is done in seven days. And so that's where we begin. Let's read in verse 4. It says here in verse 4, it says, So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. You know what? I want to stop there. You know, as I, as I read that, right? So Moses did... As the Lord commanded him. You know, when we think about this, right? Moses was a man of what? Obedience, wasn't he? You know, as you see, as you hear, you know, the Lord tells him, you know what, I want you to do all these things. And so what does Moses do? He goes out and does it. See, I want you to know one thing, that obedience sets us apart. See, obedience to the word of God will set us apart. And God wants us to remember that. God, you know, as I think about my day today, and I want you to meditate or to think about what you did today. You know, what was God telling you to do? And sometimes, you know, we were put in those situations where we were thinking, man, I should be doing this, but I got to do this. And you know what was the right thing to do, right? But we chose to do what? The wrong thing. You know, when it comes to Christians, as we continue to walk with the Lord, we need to be sinning less, right? You know, we need to be getting better and better. You know what, if you're not, if you're not, <laughs> if you're not sinning less in your life, then something wrong is happening. See, and what I want you to understand is that no Christian is sinless because we will always sin as long as we live. But yet, as Christians, we need to be sinning less. That means that you're moving forward, right? Because if you keep sinning and doing the same thing, that means that you're not moving forward and maybe you're falling deeper and deeper into that sin. That means that you're moving what? Backwards, right? And as Christians, we can never be going backwards. Otherwise, you're going to have to be questioning your salvation. You're going to have to be questioning whether you are saved. See, because there needs to be transformation in the life of a Christian. And it needs to be the transformation that comes from the Spirit of God. What I do want to share with you, though, is, and I was sharing this with somebody today. They told me, you know what? 
there was this guy that walked in and he was telling him to do something that, uh, that this person didn't want to do. And so when this person walked out, she says, oh, we can't trust that guy. And I said, you know what? I have that sense about him too because I've, de- I've dealt with him in the past and I hear him talking and you know that, you know, you can sense it when somebody's honest and somebody's truthful and somebody walks in truth. And she says, she says, you know what? This guy, he says, can you believe it? He calls himself a Christian. He's at church every Sunday. He comes to work late because he goes to church on Sunday. And so what I told her, I said, you got to remember that many people have a false security. They think that, you know what, just because I go to church on Sundays or some people go to church on Wednesdays and, or Thursdays, just because I go to church on those two days means that, you know what, that I'm okay with the Lord. And I reminded her, I said, you know what, isn't this what got the Israelites in trouble? See, because the Israelites, they always did their sacrifices, right? They were doing the sin offering, the burn offering, the peace offering. They were always sacrificing to the Lord. But yet, they would walk in disobedience. And what is it that the Lord said? I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is what? Obedience. See, this is what sets a Christian apart, right? The true Christian, not the one that just says by name that I'm a Christian, but the one that has the assurance because he knows his walk and others see his walk. You know what, when that guy came in, I mean, the profanity coming out of his mouth. You realize this, right? Because see, at Sundays and Thursdays, as I mentioned to you in the past, we're always at our best, aren't we? You know what? We are perfect Christians on Sundays and on Thursdays. But yet, behind closed doors, or when people aren't looking, are we the same? See, and this is what the Lord wants to remind us about today. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice. And this is what the Jews, the Israelites were doing. Let's keep reading as we move on. It says, And the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. So we see here the whole congregation. Remember, there was how many people were there? Remember, how many people came out of Egypt? Do you remember how many people came out of there? There was over 2 million people. Imagine, that's a lot of people. Do you think that they could get 2 million people here in this tabernacle of meeting? I don't think so. So what we believe, what they meant was that, you know what, the elders that represented the different tribes, the different people. Remember, there was, there was different leaders at different levels, and those were the ones that were there representing the, the, the various people. But what were they there to do? To see the priests that were going to be consecrated, that were going to be set apart for the Lord, to do a specific purpose for the Lord. And I want to read this to you. Go to Acts chapter 13. See, because it's still done today, just as they did it back then. In the New Testament, and we do this today. 
in Acts chapter 13, it says there now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also, who was called, who, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So we have these, these people here, right, that were prophets and teachers. They were, they were their teachers at the church. And verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate, it to, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Separate. Remember, we're talking about this consecration, right? They were called for a specific purpose to work for the Lord. God had called these men for a specific purpose. And guess what? The church was there and the people were there to witness this as they laid hands on them and they did what? They sent them away. See, this is the ordination that is going on here. And so the laying of hands is very important. That's what happens today when someone is sent out to do a specific work for the Lord. And then there, it also says, this, at the end of verse 5, it says, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Again, remember, what is the Lord saying to do? To do these things, and Moses and is going to be doing with Aaron and the priest exactly as the Lord says. Let's read in verse 6. It says, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. You know what? He took them a bath. You know what, these, not that they were stinky or anything, the reason they were bathed was because they were beginning the process, the steps of consecrating them, of setting them apart. See, these priests needed to be bathed before they served as the high priest and as priests for the temple or for the tabernacle of the Lord. And what happens is, as you know, many times before they were able to do anything, as once they were consecrated, which was the first thing was the washing, after that, these priests that were already bathed, they would not be bathed again. That bathing only happened one time. They would no longer be bathed in the bronze labor anymore. It only happened one time. But you know what would happen multiple times? Is whenever the priest would serve in the tabernacle, guess what they did? They would wash their hands and their feet. Before they did anything, they had to wash their hands and their feet. And that is in Exodus 30 verse 19. We're not going to go there, but just so you can read about it. They had to wash their hands and their feet before they did anything for the Lord. And why is that? See... When we look at ourselves, right? Let's turn to Revelation. I want to I read this to you because this is so awesome. As we talk about the priests and how they relate to us, how nothing really has changed when it comes to what God has called us to do and to be as His children. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. If you look at the second sentence there in verse 5, it says there, To him 
who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you see that? You've been washed. What does it say? You've been washed, what? From your, from your sins. By what? His blood. And he has made you, what? Kings. Because we're going to be ruling with the Lord throughout eternity. And he has made you priests. Can you see that? Just as he did for the, what? Just as he told the Old Testament priests that they needed to be bathed. Guess what happens to us? We're also bathed. We're washed. We only need one washing, right? When you come to Christ, when do you receive your washing? Do you know? When you say yes to Jesus. When you accept Him into your heart, when you open up your heart to Him, and you allow Him to come in when you surrender your life to Him, do you know that He washes your sins away? The sins of the past, of the present, and of the future. They've all been washed away. How many of you, before you came to know the Lord, you walked with the burden of your sins on your shoulders? You walked with your head down. You walked ashamed because of all the things that you've done. And then when you surrender yourself to Christ, you can walk with your shoulders high because you know that what? That the Lord has forgiven you. The one that matters most, God himself, has forgiven us of our sins. That's what's so amazing. But what happens when we walk in this world? We get dirty, don't we? Our feet get dirty. Our hands get dirty. Our eyes get dirty. Our ears. And so what do we need to do? Just as a priest, remember, they would have to what? Anytime they serve the Lord, they'd have to wash their hands and their feet. So what do we do as Christians when we get dirty? We don't need the bath again, right? We have only need it once. What do you do? You confess. That's right. You confess. And that comes where, as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, as it tells us there, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, we're all sinners, right? We've got to admit to that. And we know that none of us, even after accepting Jesus, were perfect. But it goes on to say, but if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a spiritual bar of soap that we use to cleanse us, to clean us. Because when we get dirty in this world, we need to be cleaned. We need to be cleansed. And so we do this. We do this by confession. And what else cleanses you? What do we go over? What are we going over today? The Word of God. See, the Word of God cleanses you. And that's why for us as Christians, for us here at Calvary, we give you the Word because we want the Word of God to cleanse you and to transform you. And if we keep reading back to Leviticus, in verse 7, it goes on to say, And he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urine and the thumen in the breastplate, 
And he put the turban on his head, also on the turban, on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as, Lord, as the Lord com had commanded Moses. So we have here the second part of the consecration was putting on the garments. And these garments that they, had on, that they put on them, and we used to show you pictures. I haven't done that in a while. But I showed you the garments that the priests used to put on, and these things were awesome. I mean, the, just the, 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 the colors that were there and all oh, the beautiful garments and the turban that they put on their head. These things were awesome. And when we think about this, right? See, they, one of the reasons why the priests were accepted was because of the garments that he provided, that the Lord provided. See, and these garments that the Lord provided, the priest, or he told them to use, set them apart as priests. See, again, remember, we're talking about the consecration. This is the second step in the consecration. They were set apart because of the garments that they wore. Okay? When it comes to us as children of God, we are set apart because of the righteousness of Christ. He has put on new garments on us. And I want to give you an example of this. And I've shared this with in, in the past, but it's important that, that we continue to see these things as the Lord is just reminding us as, as children. If you go to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3. See, and this is us, right? We're here... You know what, for those that have surrendered your lives to the Lord, this is us. Before we came to know the Lord, what kind of garments did we have on? Dirty garments, filthy garments. But when you receive Christ, He puts on what? Clean garments. And that's what we're reading. That's what we're going to read. It says here in verse 3, I mean in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Zechariah, it says, Then He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at His right hand to oppose Him. So we have here a vision of Joshua that's in heaven and Joshua was a high priest and the Lord said to Satan we're talking about the devil here the Lord rebuke you Satan the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you is this not a brand plucked from the fire now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him this is the Lord saying take away the filthy garments from him and to him he said, See, I have removed your inequity from you. This is the Lord speaking. And I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put, on, put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. This is us filled with sin before. Right? We've been, we have the filthy garments on. But see, who is the accuser of the brethren? That is a devil saying himself. He's accusing, accusing the brethren day and night. And the Lord is saying, yeah, I hear you. But they've been clothed by my blood, by my righteousness. And because of that, we are now accepted by God in the beloved in, through Jesus Christ. See, the clothing that the high priest put on, it was beautiful stuff. The white tunic coat, and I wish I would have brought it. And you know what? So that you can see how they look. With the sashes and the blue robe and, and, and just the linen ephod and, and then the breastplate and all the precious stones that were on there and the turban that said, 
holy to the Lord. It was written on them, on the turban that they would put on their head. See, for us, as the Lord says, as His Word tells us that He who knew no sin to be sin for us, to become the righteousness of God in Him, He's talking about you and me. See, Jesus became sin. He knew no sin. And we became the righteousness of God in Him. See, we've been cleansed and clothed by the blood of Christ. And for us, just like the priest, we have the righteousness of Christ that has set us apart now from who? From the world. See, we are not to walk in these filthy garments anymore because they've been nailed to the cross, our sin. And now we walk in the righteousness of Christ, which is clothed by Him. As we go back to Leviticus. In Leviticus 8, verse 10, it says, Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the labor and its base to consecrate them. So here, Moses anoints everything that's in the tabernacle. And as it says there, the altar, the utensils, the labor, everything that was in there, he anointed it seven times. Again, the number of completion, it was done, finished, no more. And then verse 12 goes on to say, And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Again, the Lord, Moses doing as the Lord commands. But the third part of the consecration that we have here is the anointing with this special oil. See, no one can duplicate this. This was a special oil only used for the priests. It was in Exodus 30, verses 22 through 33. It talks about that the only ones that could be anointed with this special oil was the priest. And so, as we see this, you know what? He is to put what? The oil on Aaron. And you know what? Today, you know when we anoint pe people with oil, what do we do? We get drops, right? We just get little drops and, and we put it on their forehead or we put it... Wherever, wherever you put it on their face or their head, right? That's how we anoint with oil. Do you know how they used to anoint people with oil in the Old Testament? Man, they get that oil and they put it down his head and it would just flow all over his face and his beard if he had one and come down to his body. That's how they anointed people in the Old Testament. They throw that oil all over them. Wouldn't that be awesome today? You know, it's funny, the other day with Carissa, I'm sorry, with Selah, my daughter, my six-month-old, right? I gave her a glass of, uh, she was, I was drinking water from a bottle, and, and she was looking at me, and now she drinks and she eats, so she's looking at me, and she's just like, I want some. And so I said, I looked at Nancy, and I said, should I give her some? And Nancy's looking at me, I said, I'll be careful. And as I began to pour, she moved and I slipped and the whole thing fell over her head. And she's just like, 
That's the way we would be, right? If we had all that oil flowing down, we'd be like... And I'm going to read something because you may not... You know, it's always good that we be Bereans, right? To make sure that what I'm telling you is, is right. <laughs> but I'm going to read to you from Psalm 133. And in Psalm 133... David happens to mention exactly what goes on here. In verse 2 of Psalm 133, he's talking more about unity here. But he says here in verse 2, it says, It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. So they would pour down the oil. That's why I'm saying it would just fall on their beard and on their clothes. And this is how they anointed the priest, as we see here, that, that Moses did as the Lord commanded. And what does the oil symbolize? The Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, as they were, it was a special oil. It wasn't like regular oil. It was a special oil, and I gave you the verses where you could look that up. But because this was a special oil, they could only use it on the priest. Just like the Holy Spirit, right? He is what? He's not no ordinary person. He is God. He is the third person of the triune God. And so as the Holy Spirit is poured all over you and fills you, that's the, that's the sense that we get, right? And that happens to us when? When we say yes to Jesus. Don't we also receive the Holy Spirit? Aren't we set apart because God is living in us? Remember, this is the third process. I'm being consecrated for the Lord. I'm being set apart for God. That is what, ha what happens to us as believers. Because He were also a holy priesthood. Do you see the similarities in what happened in the Old Testament to what happens today? As we know, Aaron, you know, Aaron's sons... It was the same. They, had, they were clothed, that it says. Not with all the beautiful garments that were put on the high priest, but there in verse 13 it says that they put tunics and girded them with sashes and put hats on them. Remember, only the high priest had all these special garments, but they also had their special garments. But let's keep reading in verse 14 because now this is going to be the fourth process in the consecration. Verse 14 says, And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. See, for anybody that wants to serve God, one must be cleansed of sin. See, we can't serve God if we're dirty, right? You can't serve God if your sins haven't been forgiven. How is it that you can serve God? See, God can't dwell with you. Can God dwell with darkness? See, when, you know, light and darkness can't dwell together. And so something has to pay or someone has to pay for the penalty of their sin. And Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet, right? And if Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet, what happens? Someone else needed to die, right? 
Something else needed to die, an animal. Blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. That's his word. That's the way God has established it. And since Jesus hadn't come, they would take what? The bull. The bull that became the sin offering. The bull paid the price for the priest's sins. Remember I told you, all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There is not one that has not sinned. And so that includes priests, that includes pastors, that includes leaders, shepherds. It includes everyone. And so someone had to die and cleanse him of their sins. It was a covering and this was the bull. And so this is what was used as a cleansing of their sin. As a penalty that had to be paid for their sin. But you know what? For us. Who is our sin offering? Who was the one that gave up his life for us? Who paid the penalty that we should have paid? Jesus did. See, the wages of sin, because of our sin, we don't deserve heaven. Because of our sin, we deserve what? Hell, right? Because God can't dwell with darkness. God can't dwell with sin. He is holy. And in his presence can be no sin. Did you know that in heaven there's not even any shadows? No darkness, not a shadow of darkness because of His light. And as we see this here, right? You know, to be set apart for the Lord, there had to be a cleansing of their sin. And what did they do? They had to lay hands on them, right? They laid hands on the bull. Why? To transfer their sin onto who? The one that would pay the penalty, which was the bull. So the bull took all of their sins, and so the bull had to pay the penalty for their sins. And so the bull was what? He was, he was, he was killed. He was sacrificed. And let's keep reading and see what they do. It says, And Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put some, of the, some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. We talked last week about fat. And as I'm reading this, I shared with you guys how tasty fat is. You know what? Having... I don't know if you've seen it, but there's fat that's that big, right? And if you season that fat, it is delicious. But remember at this time, and see, you guys think to yourselves, oh, but fat, you know what, I'm going to get sick and all that, right? Yes, you'll get sick from today's animals because they're not grass-fed animals. But grass-fed fat produces the amino acids uh, the uh, omega-3 and omega-6 that is needed. It is a good fatty acids that we need. And it's good for what? Our brain. And this is what's produced with that fat. And remember at this time, they didn't have all the stuff we have today, right? Everything was grass-fed. But see, the fat, which is the best part of the animal, goes to who? To the Lord. He said, the fat is mine. You guys don't get, you guys keep all of it, but you give me the fat. And so, 
Moses kills a sin offering, which was a bull. He takes the bull and he pours a, uh, you know, he kills it and, and uh, pours the blood on the, on the horns and on the rest of the altar. And, and what, we, what I want you to know is as we keep reading in verse 17, it says, But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. As a reminder... Remember, the fat belonged to the Lord. This is a sin offering, and a sin offering has transferred what? Sin into it, right? So does the Lord want anything with sin? He doesn't want no one touching it because you get contaminated with sin, right? So what do they do with the bull offering? They take it out, all of it, and they take it outside and burn it, outside of the camp, because we don't want to get contaminated by this. It's like cancer that spreads and it eats up your body. And this is what it would do. It would eat up sin that eats up the body of Christ. And so for us, as we keep reading, let's read in verse 18. It says, Then he brought the ram as a burnt offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. And he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. And Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now we had the sin offering. This is now called the burnt offering. And the same way, this was the, the offering, the ram, that they would lay their hands on it and identify it with it. But what did they do with this ram? Did you read there that they cut it into pieces and they put the whole ram on the altar? What does this mean to us? Remember, this is all talking about the sacrifices. And I'm sorry I neglected to share with you, but the sacrifices is the, fifth pro the fourth process of the consecration. But as we talk first about the sin offering, this is now the burnt offering. But the ram was cut up and the whole thing was put in there on the altar. Why was that? What does that symbolize? A complete consecration of giving oneself completely and over to the Lord. That's what that's symbolizing. That's why they put their hand on it. Because they were identifying with this that it was all given to the Lord. It was an offering given to Him. And now I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice to who? To Him. To the Lord. And that's what that symbolizes. And as we keep reading, remember there was two rams that they had to bring. Let's read about the second ram. Verse 22 says, And He brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also He took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. The second ram, this is the ram of consecration. This was used for a different purpose. Even though it's all given to the Lord, the first one, Parts of this one are only given to the Lord. But as we see here, there's things that are done. Remember, this is to set the priest apart. This is part of their consecration. Imagine taking the blood of the ram, 
putting some on your ear, putting some on your thumb, your right thumb, and putting some on your big toe, it says, or on your right foot. Imagine that's pretty, you know, gruesome. Would you like to have the blood of the, the animal on you? You know, today we would say, man, why do they all do this? They all had, it was all symbolic. See, as they put the blood on the right ear, remember, this is a ram of consecration, right? It is to be set apart for the Lord. The priests were to, use, to be used for a specific purpose. So if this is the case, why would they put blood on the right ear? Because they wanted the priest to hear the voice of God. I'm setting my ear to hear you. See, that's the reason for that. See, as priests, right, you want to be hearing from God. You don't want to be hearing from anybody else. And what you were doing is you were setting apart, you were consecrating your ear to be given to who? To hear His voice. What is it that Jesus said in the Gospel of John? Remember He said, My sheep hear what? My voice. My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. They recognize my voice. See, many times we as a people, right? We don't want to hear the voice of God. We hear it, but then we're like, no, 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 no. Just like I mentioned earlier, right? God is telling us to do one thing, but yet we're doing what? Another thing. And we got to get to the place of completely following the voice of the Lord. And then he talks about what? Putting the, the blood on the right thumb. What does that mean? What do you do with your hands? When people are, you know, let's talk about, that, that'll give you a good illustration of this. When you serve the people here, how do you serve them? With your hands, right? See, when you put blood on your right thumb, and remember, they're being set apart for God. It means that they were setting themselves apart for God to serve God. That's the meaning of the blood on the right thumb. They were going to serve God. And as we know, and many of you have heard this, we are to serve the Lord with what? With gladness. See, God desires that we would serve Him, right? So as he tells us, we are to serve him and to do as he says. And the blood on the right toe means, what do you do with your feet? You walk. See, so the priests, as they were putting the blood on the right toe, they were saying that they would be walking in the ways of God and in the path of God. Complete consecration. See, but this calling is just not for the Levitical priests. But this calling is for us. That's a holy priesthood, right? We are to hear from God. We are to serve God. And we are to walk with God. That is where the Lord would want us to be. And so this is just a reminder to us that we are to do these same things. Let's keep reading in verse 25. It says, Then he took the fat and the fat tail, all the fat that was on the entrails, a fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh, and from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, and one wafer, and put them on the fat and on the right thigh. 
And he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his son's hands and waved them as a wave offering to the Lord. So they waved them. It was like giving these to the Lord. This is what belongs to you. This is what we're giving to you. And so, you know what? As, as you give the wave offering, you're saying to the Lord that I and the fat belong to you and all these other things that I have. And let's keep reading. Verse 28 goes on to say, Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar. On the burnt offering, they were consecrated offerings for a sweet aroma that was an offering made by fire to the Lord. See, they were giving to the Lord what belongs to Him. And as they held it in their hands, it was symbolic that they were doing the same thing. And that is what was a sweet aroma to the Lord. The fact that they were fully consecrated, that they were giving these things to the Lord. And that's what it means. That's why the Lord says it's a sweet aroma. It's not that He was smelling it and it smelled good. It was symbolic of the total consecration that was going on. That was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 29 goes on to say, And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. Remember, the priests would get the thighs, the right thigh. And this was because of their labor, of what they did. So they were able to partake and to eat of this. Imagine that. So they were able to eat of this and enjoy just as the Lord had enjoyed what he was seeing. Verse 30 goes on to say, Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. So we see here that Aaron... And his son, I mean, that's the sons of Aaron, they didn't receive, uh, they didn't have oil on them, but now they're sprinkled, right? They're sprinkled with the oil and with the blood. And then verse 31, as we conclude, says, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings, as I have commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. The Lord had says, you know what? On this second ram, because not all of it was given to the Lord, right? The remaining parts, they were to what? Partake of it. They were to boil this. And these instructions had been given to them previously, but now they were doing it. And let's keep reading. What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire. So at the end of the day, if you don't eat it, guess what you do with it? You burn it up. You can't save it. Like for us, we like saving seconds, right? Today I ate a... Uh, a steak that was made yesterday. They couldn't do that. They couldn't save it for the next day. They had to burn it up. And then it goes on to say, in verse 33, And you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days, until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you, and he has done this, and he has done this day. So the Lord has commanded to do to make atonement for you. Therefore you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. For so I have been, for so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. Seven days they did this. Isn't that awesome? For seven days they would have these things going on. And it was at the end of the seventh day which means completion, it was done. 
They were fully consecrated and right away, guess what? After the seventh day, guess what they do? They get busy. They'd start. There wasn't a, a, a break time, right, of saying, you know what? Relax. Seven days you've gone through this. Now it's time to relax for a few days and get to work. No, as soon as this was over after the seventh day, guess what they did? They got to work. That's what they began to do. They began to work and to do what they had been called to do as priests. Set apart now. The, the consecration was complete. But did you read there at the end of verse 35 that they it read there that if they didn't do as the Lord commanded, guess what would happen? They would die. Isn't that what happens to us? You know, when we habitually say, you know what? I'm not going to do what you want me to do, Lord. I'm going to do what the world and what my flesh wants to do. You know what? When you live in sin, when you have a habitual lifestyle of sin, you will also experience death. See, for the Christians, see, we're now held to a higher standard, right? Because we now hear and know the Word of God. But when we make choices to walk away from our salvation, when we say, you know what, I know the Lord, but I still love the sin. And I still love its pleasures, and I'm still going to do that. We're also going to burn. We're also going to die. And so here, how important it is to follow what? The commandments of the Lord. You know, for the priest, for us as priests, just want to summarize as we walk away today I just want to summarize what happens to us because you are automatically enrolled you are automatically put into the ministry when you say yes to the Lord you become a minister of Christ we become what the holy priesthood right we've been bathed that was the first step right we've been washed by the blood of Christ and we said yes and he puts on what? New clothes on us, right? The clothes of righteousness. And also, he anoints us with what? With his spirit. When you say yes to God, he anoints you with his spirit. And he and our sins are forgiven. Why? Which was the fourth step. Because he paid the final sacrifice. He gave his body for us. See, and now as priests of the Lord, we're now consecrated. You and I are consecrated. We're set apart. We're sacred. We're dedicated. We're devoted to Him. So as we walk away from church today, when we walk away with a new understanding of how we are priests now for the Lord, dedicated, set apart to do as He says. And as you remember, remember your ears. Hear the voice of God. Don't listen to that other voice, the voice of lies. See, the voice of truth sets you free, but the voice of lies and error leads you into bondage, the bondage of sin. See, for us, as we continue to put the blood, as we have the blood on our hands, we are to serve the Lord and on our toes to walk in the ways of the Lord. You know, God has called us all to be 
a holy priesthood, a chosen generation. You know what? To proclaim the praises of his glories. You know, the one that brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't it awesome to be set free by the Lord for those that have given your hearts to him? It's an awesome thing to know that, you know what, that we are set free. But when you get dirty, as your feet get dirty, remember, we need to make, it, we need to make ourselves right to the Lord. We need to confess. We need to once again ask him for forgiveness. But remember, you've already, for those that have said yes to Christ, you've already been bathed. But for those that may not have said yes to Christ, we're going to give you the opportunity to be bathed. We're going to be, give you the opportunity to receive the new clothes. We're going to be giving you the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit and to have your sins forgiven by the one that paid the penalty for your sins. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we just, we just want this one, Lord. Lord, as, Lord, as we speak today about the, about the creation of the free it still applies to day, Lord. As we know, as we read the Old Testament, Lord, you reveal how in the new how much more it has, has its meaning to us. Lord, it's awesome as we understand word, Lord, how we can see that the Old Testament speaks of you of all of you, Lord.